0: 192148 Black Braxburg Guide versus Kirsten and Nielsen et al. arguments not to exceed 15 minutes aside, Ms Ahmed you may proceed for the appellant and please, please the court I'd like to reserve three minutes, 3 minutes There are two issues at bar the first relates to jurisdiction the second relates to the merits of the government's 12B6 motion. As to jurisdiction, the question is whether 8 USC Section 1252G precluded the district court from reviewing Mr. Guy's Administrative Procedure Act claim. Now, it's true that the plain text of Section 1252G bars review of claims arising from a decision by ICE to execute a removal order. But as recently as 2018, the Supreme Court underscored that the arising from language does not sweep in any claim that can technically be said to arise from the execution of a removal order. Section 1252 is far narrower, and it's intended to prescribe. ICE's discretionary determination. Here, Mr. Ranksberg's claim does not tread on ICE's discretion. He asks a purely legal question whether ICE misapplied federal common law in refusing to adjudicate his stay of removal application. That question, he says, falls outside the ambit of Section 1252G because Regulation 241.6, which governs stay of removal applications, does not contemplate ICE refusing to adjudicate a stay of removal application.
1: But didn't it dismiss it as moot?
0: I dismissed Mr. Ranksburg's stay application as moot under the Fugitive Disentitlement Doctrine. It did not. So be-
1: it, but once it dismisses it as moot, any stay is lifted and they're executing a deportation order, correct?
0: That is only the case if we buy into the fact that that action falls within the ambit of Regulation 241.6. And we would...
1: I mean, Why is that? do you have any case law for that proposition? Because it seems to me Musa pretty squarely controls here
0: I would say that if we look at Musa, the court in Musa went specifically to the language in regulation two forty one point six and it tells us right here that Musa's petition challenges the attorney general's refusal to grant his day of deportation. Now Musa is asking for a revisitation on the merits, and what the court says is that's wholly within the discretion of the attorney general, and then it cites to the applicable regulation, which says that the district director, in his or her discretion, and in consideration of factors listed in 8 CFR 212.5. Can,
1: can you explain to me why that distinction matters? Because I'm not sure I follow why the distinction is to whether if they deny it or dismiss it as moot that matters for purposes of whether they are executing the deportation order.
0: I think it matters because Musa was squarely revolving around a denial on the merits. And if we look at what ICE is allowed to do under its own regulations- But
1: do you have any, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I apologize. Do you have any case law for the proposition that dismissing it on the merits is different in any context? from denying it as moot for purposes of this?
0: I do not have case law on that point. What I do have are out of circuit cases from the Third Circuit, the 11th Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit, where a legal question exception has been applied to Section 1252G in the non-habeas context. And we But have- in
1: Musa, it was only in the habeas context, correct?
0: Yeah. well- I think that's a question. It was a habeas case in that. But it was
1: based on the suspension clause.
0: Well, that is what the government's arguing. It's saying that Musa relied on Saint. Cyr and St. Cyr was a suspension case, and therefore it's translating that into Musa. I would say that St. Cyr has a footnote that specifically says it's not making any determination whatsoever about section 1252 G. So while we are looking at a habeas petition in 2004, we have to understand that, yes, the Real Idea Act came into play the next year and it effectively moved the habeas petition into 1252A5 territory. But that doesn't mean that section 1252G somehow precludes a situation that we see, for example, in... Hovespian, where a petitioner comes forward and says, the INA is trying to remove me and it's not allowed to retroactively apply this new regulation, court, you have the right to look at that legal question. And the court there said it can do that in both the habeas and the non-habeas context. And prior to that case, it had not issued such a ruling in the non-habeas context, but it did that in Hovespian, and then we see a number of cases, most recently in 2011, from the 11th Circuit, coming out and saying there is this legal question exception to 1252G in the non-habeas context. And I also think it's important for this court to consider its decision in Baleiki-Toloso. There, the court reviewed an immigration judge's rejection of an adjustment of status application. Now the government argued there this court can't review that because adjustment of status denials are purely discretionary. This court however said there was a purely legal question at issue and that was whether the immigration judge had violated Bureau of Immigration Appeals precedent. And in explaining why that question was reviewable it said that it's unequivocal that under administrative law, agencies are not allowed to ignore their own regulation. And so here, if we go back to 241.6 and we read the language in that regulation, what we see is that ICE has discretion, but it also must consider humanitarian factors. It says his or her discretion and in consideration of these factors. So we're dealing with this conjunction that effectively says ICE may exercise its discretion in consideration of these factors. And if it considers these factors and it decides not to grant the stay of removal, that squarely falls within ICE's discretion. What we're saying here is ICE made a decision that falls outside the ambit of 241.6, and because it made a decision outside of that regulation, that regulation is not captured by section 1252G under Musa, because there are threshold legal determinations that this court has recognized it may decide. And in PREVET in 2017, this court said that when we have a predicate legal question that does not touch on ICE's discretion, we can review that predicate legal question. And here, the predicate legal question is whether ICE appropriately used the fugitive disentitlement doctrine in refusing to adjudicate Mr. Ranksberg-I's stay application. That refusal does not fall within 241.6. So we have a legal question that this court can review. And if it does review that question and it does find that ICE misapplied the fugitive disentitlement doctrine, ICE can still make a decision rejecting Mr. Ranks for Guy's stay application. Its discretion is not tread upon there.
1: Can you explain to me why you think he's not a fugitive?
0: If we look at all the case law, including the decisions that the government has cited, in each of those where the doctrine is used, we see that a formal order to surrender or a bag and baggage letter is at issue. That is not the case here. Moreover...
1: But that's not, that's not typically how we define fugitives, correct? Uh, is it? Go ahead.
0: I think we can go to ICE's own field manual to look at how to define fugitive. They have a section in their field manual that discusses voluntary departures. And it's very clear that if a non-citizen does not appear for a voluntary departure, they are not a fugitive at that point. It's only when ICE issues a notice to surrender, and then the non-citizen fails to appear in accordance with that notice, that the individual is deemed a fugitive under ICE's own field manual. And when we look at fugitive disentitlement case law from this circuit, what we're dealing with in the immigration context are individuals who are at large, who are flagrantly evading authorities, and who are, as in Garcia Flores, ultimately arrested to be brought to justice.
1: But isn't your client flagrantly Uh, ignoring authorities and not appearing for a hearing, not agreeing to appear. I mean, that'd be no different than in a criminal case, a fugitive abroad where we know where the person is and can't get them back to the country.
0: I think that there's something different between an individual who is transparent with ICE and counsel about exactly where he's going and why. In Cassage and Sherway, this court explained that the fugitive disentitlement doctrine was being applied because petitioners did not maintain contact with counsel and with ICE. And that's simply not the situation we have here. We have a situation of ultimate transparency where Mr. Ranksberg guy was clear that he was going into sanctuary to prevent the premature death of his wife. That honesty and transparency is what we see the court talking about in cases like Shergway and Kassage. And that
2: isn't, is. Isn't your client in sanctuary to avoid arrest? I mean, that's the purpose of sanctuary, is it
0: not? To give I, him safe haven
2: from ICE?
0: I would say he is in sanctuary awaiting a merits determination on his day of removal. I
2: mean, you said he can't be a fugitive unless they try to arrest him, but he's in sanctuary to try to keep them from attempting to arrest him. I mean, um,
0: they have not issued him a notice to surrender judge. Up until I know they,
2: they've, they've issued him notices to check in and he's potentially violated and refused to check in. Has he not?
0: One single check-in he's been asked to attend and he did not attend that particular check-in.
2: Well, and he intentionally refused, right? I think he I mean, did. It, it it wasn't an accident. I mean, it was an intentional act of not checking in, right?
0: He did not want his wife to die prematurely and that's what he told ICE.
2: Sure, I, I've got one question that's really not an issue in the case, but the, the motion to stay that he requested was a one year stay and the one year has already expired. I mean, is the is the case moot because he's already he's, he's already avoided ICE for a year and he only asked for a, for a year?
0: I would say the case is not moot, Your Honor, because he asked for the stay to stay with his wife up until she died.
2: He asked for. A, I thought it was a one year stay that he requested. Was, Am I wrong?
0: It wasn't. Hasn't
2: hasn't the one year expired?
0: I would say that if it had expired, he would for another one if she were still alive as she is today had she died Did, it would be he, a-
2: he applied he applied for a one year stay i i think it was in 2018 if I, if I remember right and the one year i think was up in 2019 i i didn't see him apply for another stay that's all and i i, I saw that his request for one year has already run and I mean, just tell, tell me, tell me why it's not moot on that basis.
0: I would say because there's no decision on that one year application based on the merit. So had there All been. Right.
2: So somehow that would toll the motion because they never ruled out it, I even though
0: he only,
2: even though he only requested a stay for a year.
0: I would say that it has not yet been adjudicated. So it's still live.
2: Okay. Even though they denied it.
0: I would say they didn't deny it. They just- They denied it
2: on the basis of mootness. I mean, that, a denial is a denial, is it not?
0: I would say a refusal to adjudicate does not fall within ICE's discretion. <laughs> okay, all right, thank you. Thank you,
2: Your
3: Honors. May it please the court, Max Weintraub for the United States. This court should affirm the holding of the district court below. The district court correctly held that 8 U.S.C. 1252G precluded subject matter jurisdiction over appellant's claims, a holding that has been strengthened by the Supreme Court's recent decision in Department of Homeland Security versus Regents of the University of California and the discussion in that case of Reno versus uh, American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. The Supreme Court in that case reiterated that 1252G expressly covers three decisions explicitly listed in the statute. The relevant one here is the decision to execute upon removal orders. It simply offends the notion of the plain meaning of those words for uh, Mr. Anksberg to argue that he is not seeking to block ICE from executing his removal order. Moreover, even if this court were to find, despite all evidence to the contrary, that Uh, The district court should have exercised subject matter jurisdiction. It should not find, and could not find, that appellant uh, could succeed on his APA claim that ICE improperly applied the fugitive disentitlement doctrine. Uh, The decision wasn't arbitrary, it wasn't capricious, and it wasn't in violation of law based on this court's prior holdings, uh, the court can't find that an individual accepting sanctuary outside the scope of ICE's enforcement practices is not a fugitive. And as the question previously ha- have noted, what he's seeking now is is more subject matter jurisdiction, greater ability to review the non-decision, the decision to deny for mootness, than he would have been entitled to, had I simply denied it for the reasons that uh, Ms. Ahmed cited, um, this court uh, uh, in Musa, as as the questions have previously noted, has addressed this issue already. Um, this case doesn't present anything anything new there, and to the extent that. Um, that Mr. Axbergay I attempts to reframe or rephrase the question, that the court shouldn't honor that. Uh, the reliance on, on cases like March uh, relate to pre-Real ID Act situations. Uh, and Congress enacted the Real ID Act for a reason. And uh, further, uh, this court's decision regarding the fugitive and disentitlement doctrine uh, do address a situation, <clears throat> excuse me, whereas here ICE knows about the whereabouts of the individual in question. Ms. Um, Ahmed cited to uh, Garcia-Flores. Garcia-Flores expressly quotes the Seventh Circuit in Sapunyev, it extensively quotes it, and quoting Sapunyev is important and demonstrative here because Sapunyev, is a case in which the government knew where the individuals were staying and that they were staying to avoid enforcement and the Seventh Circuit found uh, that application of the fugitive disentitlement doctrine uh, applied. The Seventh Circuit expressly noted that it's far from clear, the court said, whether uh, that the Spunjevs will choose to be at that location when the agents arrived to arrest them and the court added it's hard to see how the judiciary could tell at this point whether to believe a promise to show up if the case should be decided adversely. The point of, of custody, or is, is to end the guessing game. The, the the Seventh Circuit found, and it is important to note this court quotes and cites Sapunjev extensively in uh, Garcia Flores. I. I'm not going to continue. If if there are no further questions, the I'll I'll rest on the briefs. Um, I think that it's, it's fairly clear here that Mr. Ranksburg guy is seeking to block the execution of his removal. He shouldn't be benefited from going into hiding by even hiding in plain sight by receiving greater review than he would otherwise be entitled to. Thank you, your honors.
0: All right, Miss Amin, you have your phone. Mr. Ranks for Guy. Mr. Ranks for Guy understands that he is, geworden. he is important. He understands, he understands that. I'm sorry. feedback. I'm sorry. He understands that. He understands been that decide whether he gets to stay temporarily in this country and that's why he didn't ask the district court to weigh in on the merits of his stay application. Musa is not dispositive here because the petitioner in Musa was seeking to revisit a merits determination. The petitioner in Musa was asking for a different determination based on the equities presented. Mr. Ranksberg guy here was faced with a determination that he was a fugitive under federal common law. And that determination simply does not fall within the ambit of 241.6. The regulations do not provide that ICE has the ability to simply refuse to adjudicate a stay application. Because ICE chose to act outside the bounds of two forty one point six. See, isn't
2: isn't a denial of a stay application an adjudication?
0: I would say it's only an adjudication provided it follows what regulation two forty one point six says.
2: No, no you, you said it's not an adjudication. I, I think if a petition is denied, it is adjudicated, and whether it's it's whether it's Denied on the merits, or it's denied on mootness, or it's denied on statute of limitations, or it's denied on some other grounds. It is adjudicated, and you're you're arguing you're, you're arguing the basis for the adjudication, not not that it wasn't adjudicated.
0: I would say that I'm arguing that ICE has clear directions about how to adjudicate a stay of removal application
2: okay well is that is that what g says does 1252 g specify the our jurisdiction based upon the, the the basis of the adjudication i i think it just says that no court shall have jurisdiction arising out of the execution of removal orders i think that's all it says and i think our our issue here is whether a stay a motion for a stay and it rises out of the removal, the execution of a removal order. Isn't isn't that really the the issue here?
0: I would say that when this court was asked to decide a stay of removal as a petition for review in Casillas, it said that it didn't have jurisdiction to review a stay of removal order because it wasn't a final order of removal. So I would say section 1252G specified the execution of a removal order, and when we're talking about a stay application, we have to go to Musa. And we have to see what the court did, and the court there went to the regulation. And what happened? Well, you're
2: is, looking okay. You're looking at the facts of the case. I'm looking at the text of the statute, and I, I think the text of the I, statute. I think the text of the statute.
0: I would just conclude by saying. I would just conclude by saying that the Supreme Court that, was, the, Supreme court was, that the Supreme Court was section twelve fifty two section twelve fifty two. And to have, I, I think right, 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 any and all, any and all, day of removal, a way of removal, once the execution of a removal order. And I would say that a determination that's made outside of that particular regulation is another step removed, so it doesn't fall within the ambit of Section Twelve Fifty Two G. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate the argument both of you have given, and we'll consider the case carefully. Thank you.